Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 51 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Yes, it's the first of our next 50 episodes, and the first of the new year of 2020. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's 2020. Damn, I feel old. <laughs> but I'm also excited about what's to come. First off, it's great to be back talking with you today. I missed you. I really did. And, and thank you for your patience as I took a bit of time off. The flu wiped me out pretty good, along with my wife, Shanna, much as it has with a few of you who I've emailed with over the holiday. I'm still gaining my strength back and have a lingering cough, but I promise I'll edit out most of that coughing from the recording so you won't hear it today. And of course, the illness also kicked off a strong wave of withdrawal symptoms. Big surprise there, right? <laughs> But both my wife and I are getting better, and I am grateful that we had the time to rest and recover. And I really hope that the holidays and New Year are treating you well. Most of all, I hope that each of you found some way to find some calm, relaxation, and even joy in the holiday break, even if it was just for a few minutes. I know that this is a hard time for so many of you, but I hope you have found some peace in the midst of all this mess. And since we have a guest for our feature today, I will be keeping the introduction shorter, much shorter than usual. This isn't easy, since I feel that I have so much to share with you about so many things. We have a lot of new things coming to the podcast and website, and there has been a lot going on here in the Benzo community. Exciting progress in many areas and new support opportunities and resources all over the place. But I'll have to learn some patience, <laughs> and we'll get to all that in the coming weeks. We just don't have time to today. Today, we will have an abbreviated format. We will have an introduction, which you just heard, brief as it may have been. <laughs> then we will have our feature and our moment of peace. There's no mailbag or benzo story today. Please, if you submitted in comments, questions, or your story for me to share, I have those. I promise I'm going to get to those. It's just hard to fit them into the format when we have a guest on the podcast. So, so thank you for your patience, and please know that we will start to share more of those in the coming weeks. Our feature today is part one of a two-part conversation in and around the documentary film Medicating Normal, which premieres January 16th and 17th at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Today in part one, we have a wonderful conversation with Lynn Cunningham, co-director and co-producer of this film. And next week, we will be speaking with Angela Peacock, whose story was highlighted in the film. 
I had a wonderful time talking with both Lynn and Angie, and I'm so glad they took their time to speak with us as they prepare for their big premiere. But before we jump into that feature, I do want to remind you that we still need feedback, as always. Questions, comments, stories, suggestions, corrections, additions, or your reaction to the thought that your future self is probably going to wonder what the hell you were thinking about something you do today. Anyway, this is your podcast, and the more content I can share from you, the more Benzo Free becomes the community it was designed to be. So please, tell us what you think. Visit our feedback form at benzofree.org feedback or email us at podcast at benzofree.org, or comment directly on the podcast blog post itself for others to see. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. And one last thing, the Benzofree podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. And if you are listening to this podcast on one of our providers, please leave feedback on that carrier. This does help new listeners find us. Okay, no more delay. Let's move on to our feature. As I mentioned in our introduction, today is part one of our two-part series leading up to the January premiere of the new documentary feature, Medicating Normal, which will take place on January 16th and 17th at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing my conversation with Lynn Cunningham, who co-directed and co-produced the film along with Wendy Ratcliffe. And next week, we will have a conversation with Angela Peacock, whose story was highlighted in the film and has done amazing work in the psychiatric drug awareness community for many years now. I could have talked with both of these ladies for hours. So many topics, so little time. I hope I have a chance to follow up with them on the podcast again in the coming months. But enough of that. Let me tell you a bit about the film. Combining cinema verite and investigative journalism... Medicating Normal follows the journeys of four diverse Americans who were given prescription psychiatric drugs to help with anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, focus, and trauma. This film reveals the untold story of what can happen when profit-driven medicine intersects with human beings in distress. I had a chance to see this film at a private screening here in Colorado a couple of months ago, and I was impressed. The, the personal stories intertwined naturally with the expert testimony shown in the film and, and provided a very powerful message, which is hard to ignore. I look forward to seeing it again when it comes back in town. If you get a chance to see it, please do so. I've added a link to the film's website, medicatingnormal.com, in our resources section, and you can also find a link in our show notes. Our guest today is Lynn Cunningham co-director and co-producer of the film. Lynn began editing films in the late 1980s and 1990s for PBS, Middlemarch Films, Michael Blackwood, and the History Channel. Her editing credits include Walter Ruther and the Rise of the Auto Workers Union, a one-hour documentary for American Experience, Behind the Scenes, a children's series about the arts for PBS, as well as Buta, Body on the Edge of Crisis, Tadeo Ando, and Mel Bachner, Thought Made Visible. In the late 1990s, as an Asahi Shimbun Fellow, Lynn directed and produced A Quiet Revolution, The Emergence of Alternative Education in Japan, about Japan's school refusal movement that won the 1997 Japan Times Award for Films and Videos about Japan. 
Lynn holds a BA in architecture from Yale University in 1983. Now, let's welcome Lynn to the podcast. Hello, Lynn. Well, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Dee. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, me. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to have a chance to talk to you. And of course, Angela again, probably I'll be talking to her next week. So um, I'm, I'm so grateful that you all took the time to um, talk to us and talk to our listeners. That was really nice of you. I know your schedule is probably crazy busy right now with a premiere coming up soon. Is that correct? Yes, we are premiering at the Santa Barbara Film Festival on the 16th of January. Oh, that is wonderful. I'm really excited for you. That's great. Um, Why don't you start out by telling me a little bit about, and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background in film. I was reading your bio and really impressed, so it'd be nice to kind of know what your experience has been, and then we can talk about what led you to this movie. Um, let's see, in, in my background in film started, um, I was an editor in New York City in the uh, mid-80s and 90s and um, worked on lots of PBS-type uh, programs like um, American Experience and uh, art, mo- mostly art and architecture. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I started out as an editor and then I... I actually produced and directed a piece, won an Asahi Shinbun Fellowship, which is um, in the late 80s and mid 90s, went over there and studied the concept of individuality and creativity. And that led to a a film about a group of kids who refused to go to school in Japan. And um, and then um, came back to the States and was um, got involved with parenting and raising children. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had film film projects going on, but I sort of made parenting my, my main um, profession at that okay. time. And then like 2015, um, got back into it full, full on with this film. Oh, good. So you, you have a, I noticed on your bio, you have a BA in architecture from Yale. What got you into f- editing? Oh yes, I did. Well, um, I guess I was, I, I just, I love the visual world and um, I love the, the spatial world. And what I, but I realized after that was that, well, I actually couldn't, I, I, as an architect, I, I enjoyed the history of it and the, okay. the spatial aspect of it. And it led very quickly into photography. And um, I always tell people, if you don't know what you want to do, it's like a process of elimination, yes. try it, <laughs> take what you want from it and then move in the direction of what you love. You know, I love that. Yeah, my, my wife's um, brother gave her advice at the beginning. It was said, when you go to college at first, take tons of 101 classes <laughs> and then yeah, eliminate exactly. the things you don't want to do <laughs> and you'll figure yes, it out. Yes, And I always mean, just, just try, try stuff. So, exactly. Um, I mean, I still love, I still love architecture, but. Um, oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, don't worry. I'm I'm 54 and I'm now starting a podcast. <laughs> so it's like exactly, and, and, exactly. You know, I was a screenwriter and I was did database work for years, and you know, I'm kind of nomadic in my career choices. So, yeah, I'm still enjoying trying new things, and I don't think it ever has to end if you don't want it to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the film a little bit. What interested you in this project? What started you on working on Medicating Normal? And where did the, where did the, eyes come, the ideas come from? I know you, you're the co-director and producer along with Wendy Ratcliffe. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And so how did you get involved? Was it your idea originally? Where did it all start from? 
Um, well, it wasn't an idea for a film at first. It was very personal. And okay. um, it was um, – I had a, a beloved family member who was very, very um, – uh, a, a scholar, athlete, and, um, you know, a very, very successful, great writer. And she, uh, in her mid, right after graduating from college, she sort of had a bad patch. And when I say that, anyway, she went through a bad, a bad period of time and she, okay. she was diagnosed with one thing with depression and it morphed the, the diagnosis oh. started to morph and started to change. And yeah. she, became medicated and it was, um, you know, our family, the, her family is, is, is my husband's side. We, you know, we, we, she saw the very, very best psychiatrist. And at first, you know, nobody, we did not question, uh, her treatment at all. It was just, it, we were watching sort of the, um, a cognitive decline, a mm -hmm. nothing, nothing. We were told that she had a chemical imbalance that, you know, that she would have to be on the drugs for the rest of her life and that it was genetic. And that, um, anyway, by the time I really took, started taking notice, it was, she was on more than 10 drugs and wow. that it, it just was disturbing that, and, and the, the diagnoses kept changing slightly and morphing and the drugs stayed the same. And yet they were, they were added to with new ones and, it just did nothing. If you really thought about it, it didn't make sense to me. So yeah. I, it was oh, just here I am trying to comfort this beloved person and I felt disingenuous and I felt I, I've really got to read up on what she's going to, through. Mm -hmm. So that's when I discovered Robert Whitaker's Anatomy of an Epidemic. Right. And um, it just it opened up a whole new world about just referencing things that we'd been told um, and his sort of weaving together. And I think I would say scrupulous research, um, mm -hmm. more than any that I'd ever come across into the trials, the unpublished trials and all that. And it, it really made me aware that maybe it made me question what it was that she'd been going through and how the, how she'd been treating. So yeah. I just, one book led to another and my beloved longtime friend, Wendy, who was um, actually not even in the film world, but more of an activist and a, um, um, a maverick type personality. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I, she, she read the book, then, then Robert Whitaker had a, a film festival, a mad in America film festival up in Boston. Right. And I remember Wendy was living up there at the time. I, I went up, we went to that festival together. We met Laura Delano, who there's a funny story. Oh, Laura yeah. had, had known our family a long time ago okay. and it, but anyway, so we just, one thing led to another and Wendy and I just, we couldn't believe it. I mean, all the people that were close to us in our life, in our lives, were not really in the world of psychiatry. Right. And it was an un, it was an, just an untold story that we felt had to be told. Yes. I, I totally agree. That's what's so nice that I, I love this whole community of different the psychiatric drug you know community of noticing this problem of the over medication and and how many people have taken so many different paths on it like you know the filmmaking aspect and so you decided to go that direction is that mostly because of your background when you you know realized this cause and got tied in with Wendy? Yes, I feel um, 
we felt we just needed to get the word out and to get the word out to as many people as possible. And well, we, we weren't sure that it was a film at first, I guess we were in the back of our minds, mm -hmm. but we set off to talk to as many people um, as possible. And I think put ads on, on some of the support groups, we put ads yeah. saying, you know, we're making a film, please contact us if, you know, about your experience on, on some of these psychiatric drugs. I mean, we barely even knew what the class of drugs named Ben of we barely oh, knew what benzodiazepines meant. Yes. I mean, all the different classes of psychiatric drugs, it took, it was a huge education for us. Same. Yeah. Same here. I think all of us have gone through that. Most of us, you know, started from knowing so little and, and so what else do you do, but learn about what's causing this. <laughs> so how did you then start, put your team together and, and start the, the film rolling? Well, um, Let's see. How did the film? The first. It took a long time to even find our characters. We interviewed right. more than one hundred people. I mean, oh really, gosh. between the two of us, um, we because so many people, the floodgates opened when we put these this sort of notification and ad out on the internet. Yeah. So many people wrote back. I mean, it just astonished us. So we we our education began by talking to people. Then we would go meet people in their in in various parts of the country, and the 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 range of socioeconomic, the range of uh -huh. age. I mean, it just covered so many different people and and situations, and uh, so that first of all, it was talking to people. Then it was trying to narrow down the group of people that we thought. Then we were like, well, we have to we have to do this, and then how to yeah. find the people who would be our subjects in the film. Um, and we really wanted, we tried to reflect the geographic mm -hmm. reality of this situation. We tried to, we wanted mostly to show uh, that, that it is a problem that begins a lot when people are younger. Like the fact okay. that one of our characters, well, a lot of people that we spoke to were in their, in college and their mental health yeah. counseling centers prescribed the drugs. We wanted that reflected. Um so then we just we then we ended up finding our lineup of people who were really able to tell the story in a way that was comprehensive and mm -hmm. believable. Okay. Um yeah, so it just one thing led to another and we had we had so many people who could have been who could have been the, the subjects of the film. It just we just had to choose a group that complemented one another and that showed the diversity. So you got the stories in place. And so then I know you brought in a lot of wonderful experts. Um, and I, I, I had a chance right. to see the, the film. It was, it was amazing, the people you had on that and how it was, was well, they were integrated. Um, how did you reach out to these people and how did you get their interest in being part of this film? Let's see, how did we do it? We just wrote and just said, we are making this film. Would you have time to speak with us? We did do pre-interviews. You know, we met them and we talked to them and then we then at some point we asked, would you, would you be willing to be in the film? And the important thing about the experts, because the film really is driven by, and, and I think it's so powerful because it's a, it's the human stories. It's drive story it. driven. Yes. Right. It's yes. story driven. But, but the experts really, we wanted to show that in their expert opinion and in their expert experience, there was, you know, they backed up some of the points that were in these stories because otherwise you know, so many psychiatrists or people who are not familiar with the situation would say, oh, but that's just, that's a one-off. That's not reflective of what's really out there. Yeah. 
it, it's crazy. I correspond with a lot of people through the podcast, you know, daily, and I get that a lot. So many people that are just feeling written off either by, you know, their psychiatrist or by their GP or, you know, even by their counselor, you know, who say, yeah. well, you're just the exception. And it's like, no, no, you're not, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and most of them are just looking for somebody to validate and say, this is real. This is a real condition. It was caused by these drugs and yeah. what you're going through, other people have been through. And here's, you know, here's some information that might help you. And so many of them just need that. And so many are still looking for that. That's why I think films like this are so critical because it gets that message out to the mass audience that doesn't know about this yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing about our experts, and it isn't true about all of them, but it pretty much is. Even Bob Whitaker, all of them, all of them describe having been in, in a situation or thought one way about the world or practiced one way or prescribed the drugs one way and then realized what they were doing was not right or and 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 started to change their own perception of the world. And not everyone can do that. And I sort of take my hat off to our experts because every single one of them, you know, um, at least EMDs and the psychologists prescribe drugs and describe them without any, without blinking. So uh, that to me is such a sign of a hero that, that someone can look at what they're doing and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Yeah, like Anna Lemke, I think, had some really good information in that. And and some of the, the, the psychologists, too, that you spoke to, just the information that was fed into, like you said, supplement the stories. Yeah. Just added that credibility to, you know, to their stories. Not that it was needed, but I know that helps get that message and validate that message. Yeah. Well, we couldn't include our psychiatrists, our, our experts' turnaround stories in our film. Right. But just to give you some background on why we sort of honored them and admired them as experts is that they didn't always believe what they told us. Yeah. You know, they set out and it was a, sort of a, a reawakening process for them, too, yeah. which I think is the sign of a, of a great human being. I agree. I agree. I, one of the one of the people I've had on the podcast before was um, Dr. Stephen Wright, and he and I work together on different things here in the state. And same thing. He calls himself a reformed prescriber. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I, I love that. I love he, he opens every lecture now. He talks about with benzodiazepines. He says, I am a reformed prescriber. And I just think yeah, that's great yeah. to come right out and say it. This is what I used to prescribe. I used to do all the time. And I learned that this wasn't appropriate, you know, and I, yeah. and I learned the truth about things. And I think one by one that is that is happening. So, so, yeah. so tell me a little bit about, about you got the film done and then you started to um, I know you were editing it down and getting it. How long did it take you from start to finish? to get it ready before um, you could start the private screenings. Yeah, well the 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 rough cut phase, I mean to make to get the rough cut, I think we started we showed a rough cut at NYU okay. in early 2018. And that was in January of 2018 and that was more like a string out and we wanted to know it was really great to be able to do this at NYU because the kids were young, they're yeah. they're all they were studying film and we wanted to know, you know, do we have something here that's going to appeal to this group, this age group? Mm-hmm. And they loved it. They loved it. They gave great feedback. Um, and the, you know, it took, we had more interviewing to do from that. We had to film more. And 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 you have to remember, we're following our subjects. Right. Their stories and their lives are ongoing. So it wasn't just that we had to go back and, and see 
how they were doing after a certain amount of time, which I thought, again, we thought was critical. Yes. It's not a, it's not a, let's just go in and interview and see how you're doing. It's a, it's a two and three year process. And that's true about a uh, lots of documentary film. Absolutely. These, and, and I think most people, I come out of the film industry myself too. And so people, so many people just don't understand what a feature film and especially documentary film takes to to get ready and you know to have it yeah. ready for it's it, it's it's years of work and I think a lot of people yeah. think it takes six months no it's it's years of work to put one of these together yeah absolutely it, and, it really was and the, and that process of you know the rough cut and and we had a wonderful team I mean um, you know <clears throat> Wendy's a great partner she's yeah. her strengths are my you know we complement each other um, Muffy Meyer who right, your producer uh, is yeah. yeah she's Middlemarch Films and has made many 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 fantastic films right um extremely experienced and more of a diplomat and and in the team in the editing team she was the most pro drug of all of us oh okay um, so you know it was really important that someone be in that editing room going that's yes. just not true i know many people who love their drugs i like that and yeah. Right. And, and, and they're not going to buy into this film or, or believe you one yeah. iota if you come down too hard on it. And we kept saying, and, and Wendy was sort of the other end and we kept saying, but, but, you know, it, it was a big tension and it was a healthy tension. Yeah. I love that. That came out. And I, I felt that with the film too, that it was more balanced. And I think our message is so hard to get out there if we're not looking at both sides and looking at this objectively. Because if, yeah. if we become more of extreme, you know, message, then people are going to write us off. We, we need to have yeah. the evidence. We need to, you know, consider both sides and realize that maybe not all these drugs are all, are all entirely horrible. It's just, but people are being over-medicated. And we need to look at them one by one and say, hey, this isn't working for this, or this should not be prescribed long-term, or these should not be prescribed for these people this often. Yes. Yes. And we didn't want to demonize for that reason. We also didn't want to de even even the doctors who are harming with their prescriptions. Mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't see the point in making making them into, uh, you know, evil doers, because, I mean, most people who go into the profession of wanting to be a doctor want to do it to help people. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it doesn't and it doesn't convince them, you know, taking them on doesn't convince them to change their ways. There's, yeah. there's better ways of doing it. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm so glad that, you know, it has that approach because I think that's the way we're going to make this change. And I, it's just going to take time. But uh, this kind of movie is, is really moving in that right direction. So um, so after the NYU, you mentioned it was a rough cut or I think a string out you were saying. And then where did you go from there? What was the next, your next step? Well, it just, it just took, we had more filming to do even then. Um, we had some we had some worries because the kids, I mean, everyone, a lot of our small test audiences, it was a lot to take on five characters because each okay. of their stories, even as it is now had to be, especially um, Dave Cope's story it had to be yeah. compressed in a way that if you, if, if, if viewers knew the real story, it would blow their socks off, mm -hmm. but it had to be compressed because we're trying to, um, you know, tell these five stories, weave, weave in the expert opinions. And it was just, um, we had a big worry that we had maybe one too many uh, stories going on, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to let go of anybody. So it took a lot of, we had, had a lot more filming to do at that point. Right. Um, I would say by the summertime, we had a pretty good, solid rough cut. Okay. And then in the fall, 
oh, we just we were preoccupied with all the all the animation, all the animation needed to be um, again, very, very simple because as you know, D, these concepts are so like even the concept of trying to explain what a chemical imbalance oh, yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and our corruption story, the whole pharmaceutical corruption thing was so complicated. And so we knew that we needed to simplify, right. try to convey vi- in a very visually simple way, but powerful way. So it, it just took a, all that takes a long time. And I have to say that was very successful. That came across very clean, I thought, and, and was handled so well. It was a nice job, Lynn. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I, I really enjoyed that. So, cause that, that is, that yeah. is a big complicated Part and I know some people have done some YouTube videos and other things here and there that have tried to explain it. Some of them have done a nice job, but it is a the truth is we still don't know all the different effects of these drugs on our systems, and we're still learning yeah. things. You know, I, you know, recently talking about the peripheral nervous systems and how those have been you know affected in the mitochondria and stuff like that. That we're still figuring this out, and yeah. so it's so hard for us to explain to people. You know, we can explain the basics, the stuff we know, but there's still a lot we don't know. And it's such oh, a that's hard, so true. Yeah, it's such a hard thing to to get through to them. So, yeah, and you know, in in some in showing it to some psychiatrists recently, one mm-hmm. one in particular said, you know, this is this is a really good and powerful film, and but I have to say, it makes me defensive, and it makes me yeah. worry that, um, you know, uh, why am I not responding to some of these intense human stories in a more accepting way. And I realize I am being defensive so that when you, you show it to psychiatrists in particular, you've got to really say that, say, look, we, or, 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 because he said, it is true that these, no one knows. It's exactly true. Nobody knows what these drugs do, but at the moment in this moment in history, in some cases, it is the only thing we have. And, and he likened, uh, psychiatric drugs to like a, a like a a cudgel it's a very blunt instrument yeah. but sometimes it works and in desperate situations so it was it's funny what you just said made me think of what he said and oh yeah and and and, and I get that and there's some logic to that i i mean it's like with since i'm more focused on benzos i know your film is focused on the entire psychiatric medicating community which is wonderful yeah um but on the benzodiazepine side I mean, I'm not about banning them, and most of us aren't about banning. There are some needs, especially for alcohol oh, yeah. detox, for, you know, even if it's a bridge drug occasionally for extreme cases, um, it's still needed. It's just that it's so overprescribed, and it's so easily prescribed, especially so easily. by GPs. And, yeah. and And that's creating so many problems. And so you're right. It's just trying to get that adjusted, you know, to say, hey, this should not, this is not a first-line defense drug for these conditions. But we right. seem to have become that way, <laughs> you know. Oh, we've so become that way, and and so many people. I mean, and and for a long time there, and we don't really do it. We didn't really use it, but for a long time there, just we we almost felt like this is so. This is an this is an epidemic. This yeah. is like the opioid epidemic, it, and absolutely. it's being covered up that way. Yes, yes, and and it and it kind of and it and it's it's similar, but it's also different. And that's the thing is we have to. We can, I think, learn some things from how opioids have now become more um, known, that problems have become more known, but we also need to differentiate ourselves because there's so much dependence associated with these drugs that aren't as effective with the opioids, you know, where it's more addiction on that side. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an that's an interesting. We've gotten lots of feedback that, uh, and Angie's helped us with so much with the sort of the community, the survivor community. Uh-huh. It's really, really important, and we had to learn this too. You can't, you can't. The word addict. Uh, well, yep. you, you, I know you know this. The word addiction really triggers people the wrong way. It and does. I, I had to, I had to learn it too. So we're both coming from. You know, even though I was one that went through it. I yeah. too, when I started my book and did the podcast, I quickly learned, okay, there's certain terminologies I need to handle more um, sensitively, you know, and, and accurately too. Because um, most of the time, most of the time with benzodiazepines, it is not addiction. Um, it yeah. is dependence. And it's important to make that differentiation, I think. Yeah, yes, exactly. It is dependence. And um, the drug is addicting. The drug itself is de- is is addicting. It's not that the person taking it is a drug seeking person. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's really. Well, and a lot of people who could cover, especially from the benzodiazepines aren't craving, which is so common from addiction. It's that we have severe symptomology based on the withdrawal, but yes. most of these people aren't craving and they don't have, you know, like you said, they don't have the drug seeking, but they also don't have the craving for more drugs. It's this, you know, incredible, symptomology that kicks in when we try to reduce. Yeah. 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 Your body's saying, I need that. Your body is saying, wait a minute, where was that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Well, your body's off balance is what it is. Yeah. It's it's made physical changes in your body. The physiology has changed. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so so sorry, you had to go through all that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I tell you though, it's, um, I look at, you know, I wouldn't do this podcast if it wasn't for it. And I found something, you know, like you mentioned this film, you know, if your family member hadn't gone through what they went through, probably wouldn't have happened. And for me, this podcast wouldn't have happened. So I do try to focus on the positive and that I really enjoy what I'm doing now. And and I love this and I found a new purpose in my life. So, you know, I'm trying to focus on that and not on my ongoing symptoms that I still have today. So. I try oh, to put those in the yeah. background, but yeah, that's a really good thing to think. Yeah, it is. That it is. good comes of bad. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so you start you you started doing some. And this is where I know I got um was had the opportunity, and thank you so much for the invite. Had the opportunity to see one of the screenings, but you started doing these private screenings, and you did them for different um, audiences. I think some were. Um, I know medical students were invited, psychiatric students. There were also some professionals you did in certain places. What was gained from that, and 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 what feedback did you get during those different um, screenings? Well, we wanted to see how because to make a film like this, we you know, usually you know who your audience is. Yeah. But our audience is so broad; it's people that know nothing about the world at all because it just hasn't touched them. Then down to the prescribers who prescribe, who will be defensive. Right. Um, the you know the the people that don't know anything about it just assume that they're they're every you know anything that a doctor says is right and they should never question it. So there were so many different constituencies mm-hmm. that we felt um, that these screenings are really important in just seeing because we want to create a dialogue. The whole purpose of the film is to create a dialogue so that different people at different constituencies can see the responses for the film. I mean, I feel in many ways, and of course I've seen this film a lot now, that the discussion after the film is as interesting yes. as the film itself. I felt that because, way too. That was wonderful. Yeah. And you just, you hear from people and people's experiences are so different. Right. And 
it becomes an, an entirely new thing and it just extends the film and it um so that was our purpose and it is our purpose and we want to keep doing it and for instance one um my husband has a company that uh, for which he's just opened an Austin office and in that the, the, we had a private screening for his employees um primarily other people from the from the Austin region came um but one woman who's been working for him just stood up and you know burst into tears and said mm. you know my coworkers are 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 going to see a side of me that they've never known existed and and she eloquently told her story that nobody had known and oh, it had wow. had to do with benzos and it was wasn't just benzos she was on all of the different she yeah. was on many different drugs and had really thought herself to be um a crazy person who was never going to re-enter society or, and oh, yeah. anyway, the eloquence with which she shared this and, and, and then in sharing it, her coworkers all learned something. So I think that there was such a, such, there's such fear to share our stories, but then when we do, they help other people. What you were just saying, how you're helped by hearing other people's stories mm -hmm. So uh, exactly. there's, there's really, it's not just the film, it's people watching the film and responding to the film is just as important. But they have to be private, unfortunately. We're in the film, as right. you know, the film festival yeah. circuit. So these, yeah, so. I was going to make that clear. These were all invite-only private screenings, right, that you held? Yeah, okay. exactly. And yeah. Um, soon, I mean, our hope is, our dream is to have it available, to have it would be, to broadcast it would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then to have it available um, our website now has the trailer, our film's trailer on it, but we will be um, listing uh, our schedule of upcoming screenings for the festivals in different parts of the country. And we'll also, we're also, if anybody's interested down the line in holding a screening or wanting yeah. the film to come to their part of the world, we are, we're, can, we want them to sign up and we will keep track of them and let them We'll be in contact with them. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So, so the premiere is Santa Barbara Film Festival, right? And that's you yes. said January sixteenth. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so that's at the festival. So anybody else that wants to go out there, I'm sure you'd be happy to have their company if they want to go and you know be part of that and, um, you know, and go see that premiere and go to that film festival. Is that is that oh, accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's eleven a.m. Okay, eleven a.m. on the sixteenth, and in the Metro One Theater in Santa Barbara. Okay, well, great. Yeah, I've been out to that film festival a couple times. I used to be in, you know, I was on the board of the Vale Film Festival for ten years, and used oh, to go sure. to different yeah. film festivals. And I've been out to Santa Barbara's. They have a real nice film festival out there. It's great. So, so that's yeah. wonderful. And then once that happens, so now you're going to be looking at looking at other screenings and also distribution. I'm sure. Um, so you mentioned about how can people help. So I know one thing you were talking about just a second ago was people setting up a screening in their local town, our local city. And so what does that look like and how do they go about that? They, they contact us through our website, which okay. has our, our email address, medicating normal at gmail.com. Okay. And they uh, just, just write as much as they, and they can just, just send us any kind of email, letting us know who they are, where they are. Um, what group they feel would benefit from the film. Um, and we are so responsive. I mean, we would go, I'd go anywhere to show the film. I, I mean, I know it's like you and your podcast. 
Yes. Um, so uh, with the the film, you know, we are we are in the process of fundraising. There have been for outreach and education yeah. because we also we believe that the film is enriched by having kind of a panel there. Um, but not all films. I mean, I don't think the one in Boulder had a panel. No, there wasn't um, a panel on that one, but it was mostly just audience questions. I think of yourself and Angela was there and a couple others. So. Yeah, and the people sometimes the panel creates itself from an audience, which is wonderful. Right. Yeah, and that kind of did that time. So. Yeah, and that did it did, and but other places we feel, um, you know, we would would be great to get someone like Anna Lemke to come, and, yes. and she's totally willing to do that. Oh, good. And I think that would that and we we have screened at another university, um, and that and there was a pharmacology professor who was on that panel. And it was really interesting. I mean, I ended up having a great dialogue with him. I sent him anatomy of an epidemic as a thank you present. He promised to read it. Um, yeah. So I just think that, 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 that anybody who wants to start to start a dialogue in their community, um, you know, we'd be so welcome to have the film help them do that. That's great. And you, you mentioned donations. So, um, I, you know, as being a, a former filmmaker myself, I realized that the expenses that goes in, into doing a film and it, it's ongoing, you know, which, just because the film is made doesn't mean the expenses have stopped. Um, promotion and distribution now can be quite costly. So you're accepting donations to help out the film. Is that correct? Yes, we're accepting don- donations to on our website. There's okay. a button that says donate and they can it, it it's a PayPal. It's through PayPal. Oh, good. And um and it's fairly, hopefully, very easy if people. But 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 people. There's also an address to which people can send checks. Oh, good. Okay, so you got those um, choices. But people. But there's so many ways to give to the film. If you can't give money, you can give your experience. Perfect. You can you can um, introduce us to someone who uh, might want to show the film or be a panelist. Right. So there's so many different ways. That's really exciting. Oh. I'm looking forward to hope. Hopefully, it'll come back through our way again, and I can be involved with it. it. Comes back through Denver or Boulder. So, well, yeah, and Colorado is such a forward-thinking state. I mean, yes. that there there were so many. We had five different communities who were so wonderful screenings there, and their public health officials really wanting to make it. And they are, and do a, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great work being done out there, and I'm just so so happy that so many people are being so active and and making a difference. Oh yeah, me too. It's wonderful to be to be part of it in a small way. Um, and one other thing I wanted uh-huh. to say. Oh, a lot of people say, or did in the beginning, or do very legitimately. Why didn't you guys deal with some of the solutions? This we see. Wow, what a big problem this is. Okay. Not just benzo, but all of the different drugs. And um, it, it is true. Our film does not necessarily provide solutions except to say that we encourage people to ask questions, to do more homework, to really talk to their doctors and then come back to their doctors with more, you know, yeah. with things re- read and then come back to the doctor after having read something and be at more active in their own mental health care. I think, but, and, but a f- entire film could be made on solutions because yeah. there's, they're so varied and wonderful and they work for some people. They don't work for other people. Um, so I bet, you know, I mean, that's a big thing that I wish we could have done with this, but we, we wanted to lay out the problem first. It would be so nice if this was simple. <laughs> 
I know, <laughs> <You> I know. know. <laughs> it just isn't. And then that's what makes it challenging. And that's what makes, that's why we're needed to, you know, I think if it was simple, it would have been solved a long time ago. But, oh, I agree. but it's such a complex problem with so many different players and we just got to take it one step at a time. And, and, and we're doing that, yeah. you know, we're getting there. So, you know, I was going to ask you, um, so yeah. from looking back on the film, especially from working with the people and their stories, um, what did you learn? What did you take away from this experience? Uh, I learned, I think that you always, that the problems and the sadnesses and the horrors out there in this world are, you can, you can be completely out of touch with them if they're not mm -hmm. some way affecting you. And if you don't, and, and just because they're not affecting you doesn't mean they're not a reality. And so I was just happily going on in my life, not even aware yeah. that this was an issue. And until my, my family members started going down the path. And if this is true about this realm of life, it's true about so many other realms. It's true about poverty. It's true about, you know, things that, that many, many of us don't, don't live and don't yeah. experience directly. So I think I learned that you need, we need to pay attention and learn and do our own reading and do our own, don't just ex assume or, you know what I mean? Educate. Self-education is, I think, the biggest thing I took away. Yeah. And then the other thing I learned is that it, and this is true about everything too. Nobody owns this. Nobody owns right. the survivor community. Nobody owns the psychiatric provider community. Nobody owns and nobody is right. And I think that I there are that. all these fights that I've become aware of, all these <laughs> yes. polarizing fights. I have too. I find, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. I find I find them such a waste of time they to are. be dragging people down or calling them names. And, and especially amongst ourselves. You know, with, within this community yeah. of trying to raise awareness of psychiatric medications, we have inner fighting. It's like because you're not doing it the way I think we should or vice versa. And I've, I came across a lot of that, too. And it's yeah. like we're all on the same page here. You know, let's, let's figure this out. We can, we can make this work together, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I take my hat off to everybody and their perspective. They're, yes. We're all right. We are. Uh -huh. And I think this movie, yeah. along with so many other things that are being done in the, in the different communities, are working towards that, you know, and I think there's some great organizations that are doing that evidence-based, you know, working within the system and actually making, making changes. So, yeah, I just want to um, thank you, first of all, so much for, for um, taking the time. I know you're, you're busy with the, the premiere coming up and I'm really excited for you. I wish when I heard about it, I was like going, oh, I really want to go out and make it to there. I'm just not going to be able to. Oh, well, if you change your mind, we'd love it. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. And we'll see. You know, I never know. But um, I do want to remind everybody also next week we will have part two of this conversation. And that will be with Angela Peacock, who I know is also tied in with the, the movie, correct? Correct. And Angie it is not only one of our five subjects, but uh, since the film has been um, completed, she's taken on a role of of helping us get it out there. She's She is... Um, She's so impressed us. Her um, ability to speak from her personal um, convictions and experiences, to be able to feel, to, to have, show the film with us to yeah. to an audience of people who don't either know anything about it or um, or or who've been through something similar. She can hug someone. She can argue with someone. I mean, it, it's just she is she is unbelievable, and she's now rented an RV. <laughs> and 
Um, no, she owns an RV. What am I th- talking about? And she's going around the country to um, as many places as she can, reaching out to people, uh, raising awareness about the issues in the film. And you're going to have a great conversation with her. She is awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I really look forward to talking to her. And we were actually even talking about the RVs. I loved hearing about what she's doing on the road. And I know she's really dedicated her time to this film and just to being available at screenings all over the country. So yeah, I'm really excited about getting that chance. So um, thank you again, Lynn, so much for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Where can people go to learn more about the movie, about supporting it, about donating it, about going to seeing screenings of it? You can go uh, to our website, which is medicatingnormal.com. Okay. We have resources listed, a research listed. Um, um, there's a, a, a button where you can donate. Um, it'll have a schedule of where the film will be screened, our festival schedule. Um, yeah, so that's medicatingnormal.com. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you again so much for being on the podcast today, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Oh, Dee, thank you so much for having us. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. I want to sincerely thank Lynn for taking the time to speak with us today. I realize that with their premiere a little over a week from now, her schedule is very busy. If you want to learn more about this film, please visit their website at medicatingnormal.com. And if you happen to live in the Southern California area, you might want to check out the screenings at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Next week, we will have part two of this series, and we will talk more about the film with Angela Peacock, and about all her other work she is doing to help veterans and all patients struggling with psychiatric medications and their effects. You won't want to miss that one either. But now, before we get on to our moment of peace, please allow me just 30 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. The way this works is that I will give a brief introduction, perhaps a suggestion of something to focus on. Then I will play a soft bell, which will indicate the start of the one minute. This will be followed by another soft bell, which will indicate the end of the one minute. And that will be the end of the episode. Feel free to continue to meditate if you choose. If not, continue on with your day. And please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Today we are going to return to what I call the lighthouse meditation. Our minds can operate at a mile a minute, and at no time is that more obvious than during meditation. That's why I usually say that if your mind wanders, just gently bring it back, because it will wander. Thoughts and feelings just appear, and suddenly we're thinking about something else, sometimes without even noticing it. 
Today, during meditation, I want you to be aware of this. Watch for the thoughts. Wait for them. And notice them when they appear and start to take you away. If a visualization will help you, then imagine you are on the top of a lighthouse and your thoughts are ships in the night. Notice them and let them pass. Then return to watching again. This practice can be quite illuminating and can help calm an active mind. So let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. Then let the breath out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally and wait for the next thought to appear. When you have a thought, just notice it and let it pass. No judgment at all. And return to watching for the next one. Continue to do this for one minute. episode is episode 52 and it will be released next Wednesday. Thank you again for joining me today and please let me know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.